I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast. Yes, we are back again. We've got another film lined up for you. I'm very excited for this one today. I've been wanting to review a film by this director for quite a long time. And we finally decided to do it, got the film, watched it, and here we are. And of course, I am joined once again by film lover, conversation enthusiast, himself it's callum hello callum how are you doing today i am i'm really really good i uh i've um embraced th- fully embraced the uh, the lockdown look for now um i haven't left my my jogging bottoms i'm wearing a a shirt that i don't know what it looks like to you but it, a multi-colored i'm liking it like sort of rather low cut shirt actually. it looks like it could be a one piece yeah, indeed. I'm sort of thoroughly embracing the the, the slobbish look. Um, I, I also the I've been going to the shop to buy lots of uh, beer recently, just because it's getting me through yeah. uh, the weekends. And the having a, a discussion with the uh, the cashier just isn't doing it for me anymore. Yeah, it's even just, that's just, one I, thing now is like yeah. conversations with delivery drivers and cashiers, you know, they were getting us through initially, but now it's like oh, all of the conversation avenues have been dried out. Indeed, it's, uh, have you been up to much? No. There's, there's, there's not very much to talk about. Have you had a good week? Yeah, it's been okay. <laughs> um, I mean, there's only so many times you can walk, walk on the beach, look at a sunset and drink lots of beer. That is but I, I, but I am at least I didn't drown this week. That is good. We we very glad weeks. about that, Callum. You know we've been concerned. Yeah. The, the listener base has been worried about the route of the walks, but it's good to hear that you've been taking tide safety very seriously now, and you've been monitoring that tide and making sure that you're home safely before there's even a notion of water covering the beach. So great to hear, Callum. Keep going on the walks, of course, but don't mm. be getting yourself stuck in that current. Anyway, that's enough of that, Callum. I'm ready to talk about this film. As I've already teased in the intro, so excited for this one. Um, Wes Anderson, the director. The reason I'm excited is, for quite a long time, people had said to me when talking about films, I bet you love Wes Anderson. And for quite a few years, I hadn't watched a Wes Anderson film, which... I then came to the conclusion I was going to love because if people were putting Wes Anderson and me together, then there must be some kind of connection there. So the first one I watched was Grand Budapest Hotel, followed by the Royal Darjeeling, and loved both of them. Visually fantastic, but we'll get onto all of that. But we haven't talked about one on here before. If you want a little throwback, I wrote a blog in the early days of the Glass A Film Club about the Grand Budapest Hotel. So head over to glassamedia.com now to check that out. But we've not talked about one, Callum. We have not talked about one. And that's why today we will be reviewing the Royal Tenenbaums, the 2001 release by Wes Anderson. It's got some of the classic actors in from the Wes Anderson universe. Can we call it that? The Wes Anderson, the world of Wes Anderson. Ben Still is in there. Uh, the Wilson brothers, they were very good friends with Wes Anderson growing up. Gwyneth Paltrow is in this well. Bill Murray, um, Ben Stiller. I've mentioned some of those, but 
we'll just keep them coming because they always keep on coming in Wes Anderson films. But a bit of a summary. Weird and wacky, as you'd expect, the classic Wes Anderson style. But this is about a family. It's teased at the beginning that when they were young, the kids were child prodigies. One of them started a business when he was six or seven and made millions of dollars. One of them was a playwright. The other was a champion tennis player. So three children. One of them was adopted. They had the parents as well, Royal Tenenbaum, who the film's named after, and Etheline Tenenbaum, the mother. Royal left. The mother was left to raise the children. And even though they were child prodigies, it then cuts to them about 20, 25 years later, when they're in the late 20s, and shows that the lives haven't gone quite in the way that they might have thought when they were younger. One of them's living on a ship, just sailing round after his tennis career went to pot when he had a meltdown in the final. Um, Another one, so Chaz, he's become obsessed with safety because his wife died in a plane crash. So his two kids, (laughs) they've all got the same matching Adidas tracksuits on. This is Ben Stiller's character. They're intensely doing exercises and and there's a, a routine they go through to make sure they can leave their house if there was a fire drill. And you've also got um, the other one, uh, Richie, uh, who is of Lost Ever. Sorry, Margot, who was the playwright when she was younger, and she it shows her married to a psychiatrist, and she's become depressed. All we see of her as she gets older, she's just sat in the bath all day, smoking and watching TV. So they've all gone in the different ways, but none of them happy, and maybe not fulfill the potential that they had when they're younger. So as the film develops, we see. Royal Tenenbaum, the father, tries to get back into the lives by pretending that he's terminally terminally ill. This then brings the family back together to live at the family home and they go on a journey together to renew their relationships, explore the relationships together, but then find out that Royal was actually pretending that he was ill all along, kick him out of the house. He goes off and decides he wants to actually prove himself to the family, but the family stay together. And even though they came together just for this reason, they actually grow together. And by the end of the film, we see them accepting each other for the, who they are, coming to terms with their own traumas from their past and actually flourishing as a family and accepting Royal back into their lives. That's the summary of the film. But with Wes Anderson, it's not just about the stories at Callum. There's so much more for us to dig into. So let's start with plot. Let's start with how you felt after watching it. What did the journey of the film do to you? I loved, I was saying off off, uh, off mic, that I, I, it felt like a, a European film. It felt like it was sort of, it felt like it was set in Eastern Europe, Um but it was actually set in New York City. I loved it. Was I loved it's basically a pastiche. There's loads of different fashions from different eras throughout the 60s and 70s. You've got that soundtrack running all the way through it as well. Um, but the fact that it's it, it's it's based on this idea of lineage and like Royal Tenenbaums, you got this sort of quite high class um, group of individuals that have all achieved some sort of success. Um, and the fact that they're all estranged from their father, I kind of it feels like it, it breaks down that that classic uh, device of uh, family success. Basically, the fact that you've got all this all this initial success, and then they're all sort of lost and withering away. I guess their 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 identity, or at least their family identity, is in a state of flux. So it later, transpires that Margot, uh, character played by Gwyneth Paltrow, Paltrow is adopted. Um, 
And it reminded me a little bit of um, two novels, actually. It reminded me of Amitav Ghosh's In an Antique Land that we read at university. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of Jonathan Franzen's The Corrections. Now, they're two very (laughs) different (laughs) novels. And obviously, what Wes Anderson doesn't need is more layers added to his already sure. layered pastiche of, a, of art but just bear with me what just bear with me on this <laughs> amitav gosh the reason why it reminded me of that is because that novel is all about sort of writing and historical writing and narrative and broadly speaking it can also be about nationhood as well and i think one thing that um, the royal tenenbaums does really effectively is that it breaks down that traditional idea of what family means it's very chaotic in a way um you've got this sort of high and mighty um idea of wealth lineage status and power and it's actually it, and that's broken down with the father pretending to have stomach cancer that's broken down with the fact that one of the family members is adopted it's completely um, distorting the idea of what it means to have lineage. And that's what Gauche is, is writing is all about. It's about combining all these different ideas about what nationhood is, what writing is, and saying, well, there is no pure aspect as to what um, this idea of nation or this idea of writing is. And that's what Wes Anderson's doing here. There's no, there's no pure uh, idea of lineage anymore because well, they're all estranged from one another and they're all living very different lives. A lot of, like... Um, uh, Luke Wilson's character Richie, for example, is suffering from all sorts of uh, mental health problems, and and like I said earlier, that Margot is adopted and things like that. And the idea of family is broken down, which is why it reminded me of uh, Jonathan Franzen's novel The Corrections, because that novel's all about um, a family who are estranged from their baby boomer parents, um, completely at, at odds with the modern world, hate, despise the rate of progress. Well, at least. Them, the family do anyway and they're all living different complicated lives and the mother in the Franson novel wants everyone to come back to um, for one final family Christmas like the family are coming back together in a time of crisis and of course the crisis in this movie is about the fact that the father is pretending to have stomach cancer which is an incredibly it's classic Anderson in the sense that it's really deadpan. It's like, how how can you make something funny out of pretending to have stomach yeah. cancer? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. The, the, like, it transpires that he's no longer having, he's not having stomach cancer pills, he's having Tic Tacs yeah. instead. And I love is... how it just suddenly, like, it says, Richie goes, oh yeah, dad's upstairs already, I've let yeah. him in my room. But yeah, he's got this little hospital set up, like this real big set up with all these machines and like, you don't expect it, it's just like, bam, oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a bit quirky. Well, indeed, yeah, absolutely. And and the thing, the reason why it reminded me of those two novels is, is is because the theme of nostalgia is so prevalent in this movie as well. Because you've got people that were once great in all aspects of art, culture, mm. and status, and now suddenly they're now dwindling, and they don't really have any sort of meaning anymore. Because they're all like Gwyneth. I love Gwyneth Paltrow's character because she just kind of sits in the bath and with heavy eyeliner on and smokes. And she's just quite sad. And then I love, I just, I just love the all the different nuances within the characters. And I think it's because it's reminded me of those two novels. I think it's, I think it's quite fitting to see the film, you know, in in, in the vein of nostalgia and pastiche. I think it's really um, interesting in that respect. That's what got me. I mean, when yeah. I was watching it, there's so many different layers to it anyway, and it's yeah, classic yeah. Anderson. You're watching, you think, what the fuck was that about? But like, once you actually sort of sit down and reflect and think about it, it's like the the 
the, the the cinematography and the nuance of it all and I just love the fact that it's set in New York but it looks like it's set in Bucharest or something <laughs> like it it's feels real, like yeah. it it's absolutely fantastic and I'm fully getting some interesting points you made there there's so much to go at with this film that's what's beautiful about it but just straight away I'd say that it's a film that excites me not necessarily mm. because of the subject matter and maybe this is just the theme of Wes Anderson's filmmaking in general but it excites me because it offers something different and it offers a different world to inhabit it explores themes and of course with filmmaking there's more layers to it and it offers you more and we'll go into that but just straight away visually and the world that's created I think that's what a film should do it should take you somewhere else and this excites me Firstly, because it excites me the world that I've just been in for the last two hours. But it also excites me from a filmmaking perspective to show what's possible, what you can do from a simple storyline, but where you can take people, what you can make them feel, and how you can take bizarreness and quirkiness and daftness and make it into something quite real. And that's the beauty of it. And that's kind of what grabs me straight away from this. The story is the story with every Wes Anderson film. It's a bit weird. It goes in strange directions. There's some um, little features of it that aren't all that relevant, but are funny nonetheless. But I think visually, like, so the, the visual comedy of it is very good. Not in a slapstick way, but in just a way it presents things and what you're looking at. And all of the sets that Wes Anderson does, and especially with this one, the, the core of the Tenenbaum house, there's a lot going on. It's really busy, but there's a lot of interest in there. One of my favourite little locations in it is the the closet they go in with the board games in there. Yeah, that's a and great especially scene. Especially when yeah. Chaz and Royal are having an argument in there. And there's, there's so much to it, because obviously it's throwing back to their past with their board games and maybe the fun they would have had there. And then they're having an argument about just what they mean to each other. And there is so much to like I said, go out with that. But just what strikes me is just how much the film brings you in visually through the world it creates, through those little nuances, the comedy, but then it juxtaposes that visual comedy with something that's quite real. And you're in that world. And even though at the beginning you think this is just a bit of a daft place to be, especially the opening um, segment where it's just going through the past of them and showing all these weird things that they did as children. You think, oh, this is just a bit bizarre. But you soon realise it's a world you want to be in, a world that you are you actually get something from. And especially when the film concludes and the family get a lot from it. And I think you as the watch the viewer get a lot from it as well. But that is the first thing that this film gives me is it creates a world that I was instantly dragged into and it was a world that I was very happy to be in as well. But kicking on from that, we've touched upon there about visually and the filmmakers. Well, I don't think we can talk about a Wes Anderson film without talking about the visuals and the filmmaking as well. You said there about how you liked how it was set in New York, but it looked like it could have been European, maybe Eastern European in its aesthetics, and also how it threw a lot of different genres and themes in there with the music and the fashion and things like that. But what did you make in terms of just to watch it, forgetting the story and things like that? What stood out to you from the visuals and the way that the the story was threaded together? I think, um, I mean, the... the the way the story is threaded in that respect it there's a lot of literary devices in there yeah like in terms of like how the story unfolds i mean it's split up into chapters for example and then the the camera focuses on the book um a book and it's like it's basically telling a story of a family history really I really like that uh, 
Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice little touch, and I think um, it rem- I loved the um, the scenes of nostalgia. There was so many different. It's quite childlike a lot of the time. Yeah, I think it's 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 it plays with sort of little nooks and crannies of the house quite effectively, as if you were a child experiencing this huge house for the first time as the viewer in that mm-hmm. respect. Um, like you said, the closet earlier, but the th- the the scene that I love, um in terms of graphics is the yellow tent where Richie lives. Yeah. I think I, I think yeah. that's a really interesting little uh, place of set as a really interesting little place because he's got various sort of childhood uh, paraphernalia in there like he's got a globe for example and um a lots of space paraphernalia and stuff. And because he's madly in love with Margot as well um and they can't they can't declare their love because obviously there's the 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 legacy of the lineage to preserve and the image of the, of the, of the family, etc. And, you know, Margot says, oh, we'll just have to love each other in secret. And it's quite interesting when they're sat on the bed after he's just tried to commit suicide. And it's almost as it's almost like repression. It's like going back to his childhood, like wishing that, I guess, they'd have just been two childhood friends that had met as childhood sweethearts. Yeah. It's quite a powerful because scene when they're the, sat on the bed. Because in that tent as well, the, the sleeping bag that they have is the one that they used when they went and camped out in the museum, which is a yeah. formative part in their relationship in the early parts of it. Exactly, yeah. So the the, the camera plays with a lot of these childhood um, moments of you know camping under the under the stars and looking trying to understand the world i mean the globe and space for example are mm-hmm. two quite quintessential um childhood fascinations or at least in it from a literary perspective anyway children in novels in particular are, are obsessed with understanding the world and sort of something that's just a little bit away, detached from earth as in space and i think that's what anderson is trying to accomplish here with the fact that he's combined all these different themes and all these different um avenues it's like you don't necessarily know um you don't necessarily know where the film is going to go you know it's a film about lineage and it's about nostalgia and it's about trying to understand the world in which you live but i think fundamentally it is a film about childhood you know in 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 a lot of ways in that respect so yeah i mean for me the combination of literary device and literary devices such as like nostalgia and 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 power but not in a sort of not not in a traditional sense of the word it's almost like power in terms of trying to understand who you are yeah. and why that matters i guess um but it's been compared i read a um an article and it's been compared to orson welles's um 1940s film uh, the magnificent andersons about a family a midwestern family who um are fee- uh, their, their money is declining their wealth and influence and fortune is declining in in the automobile age of the 1940s so again there's that aspect of declining heritage and what it means like there's loads of scenes of them stood over graves as well again going back to the, the that, that bridge between you know childhood and death i think is quite interesting death plays a huge role in it uh, like there's a oh, there's a line that um, uh, Royal Tenenbaum says it's like something like oh, I'm sorry for your loss but she was very beautiful or something yeah I, something like that it's it, it plays like your woman it, was a very your mother was a very attractive woman yeah that was that's it yeah 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 that's it but again it, it plays with the idea of, of of birth and childhood and death and I think the camera does is very good at doing that by using the the focus on board games in particular and yeah. all, all the just the childhood paraphernalia in that respect. That's a really good point. Yeah, you're spot on there. And 
want to add to that is what I was going to say in terms of the visuals is going back to what I was saying about the visual comedy but the colouring of it adds to that childlike feel and this is why I think you feel like you're in a world when you watch a Wes Anderson film because the colouring of it and the way that it's framed takes you to a different place and it is childlike and I know what you're saying there it does feel especially in this film with the house and all the childhood paraphernalia in there but what that does is it takes a serious issue like death you've got um, two widowers in it and they make a joke about that there's also obviously a suicide attempt and there's a lot of time spent in the graveyard so death is quite prominent in it as you said but it is addressed in quite a comedic and bizarre way with comments like you said that Royal Tenenbaum makes and it is almost repressed through the comedy and it's repressed through these things and that's why I think at the end of the film why the family do feel close and you see the scene where they're together and then Richie has his arms around Margot as if everyone's stopped repressing these things through everything they've built up, like you said, through the lineage, through these ideas of themselves, through what they were, what they were meant to become. And especially when you look at Chaz as well, he's got his kids working at his business from an early age. Everything's repressed. And Wes Anderson uses comedy in this childlike world to repress this which is very funny and makes for great viewing but it's also the point of showing how the characters are going through this journey how they need to release themselves and accept death into their lives basically but allow themselves to grow as a family and then when royal does die at the end they're almost they're happy in the sense that they did let their relationship flourish at the end and it's not something that is repressed and pushed down it's embraced within the family and they use it to grow but then just picking back up when I was saying about colour and the visuals, I can't not mention this when we're talking about Wes Anderson, is it's um, they're so bright and just enticing, but the framing as well. I see it like a lot of the shots are like still pieces of art where the action just plays itself mm-hmm. out within it. So the shot is framed. He loves his symmetry, but he loves a lot going on as, it, as, as if it's like a piece of art and then the piece of art is held there, but then the characters are just allowed to move within it whilst the piece of art sticks where it is. And then we and then we switch to the next piece of art, which, like you said, it allows so much to go on on the set and loads of little illusions. If you were stood there looking at a piece of art, you notice different things, which then add to your viewing of it. And it's like that in the film. And then the colour as well, like I was saying, the world it takes you to. I think it adds to that childlike feel, but also adds to the bizarreness but also the way that it's not not really a set location in time that you can grab hold of yes it's set in america but it's never really said here now then this is where it is it is kind of shown where it is but gives allusions to there's other influences and things like that and that's so important to this film to allow you to inhabit that world that I keep talking about. And like you said, especially to feel that childlike influence of it. And the colour does that beautifully. I think another director who does that well is Taika Waititi, where he uses very vibrant colours to give a childlike feel to it. And it allows you to explore serious themes, but in this a bit more juvenile way. And I just love watching it. Yes, it allows you so much access to the, the story, but it's just so satisfying to watch. And just thinking of it now just makes me want to watch more of his films. Just seeing the poster for another film, you're like, oh, I want to be in that world. And from the filmmaking perspective, I think it, it, can't, it can't be topped. I love the Wes Anderson setup. It's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, from a visual perspective, 
all those elements really do it for me. Let's kick on to the themes, Callum, because I know this. I knew this was going to be a heavy one to talk about plot <laughs> and and filmmaking and things like that. But we do want to get into the themes, and we've touched upon this, but redemption is a big one in it. Um, I know you're linking this with family lineage and how the family worked together, but what did you think the film was representing what it gives you in the terms of the role that Royal was playing and his aim to gain redemption in it? I think, um, I mean, the only reason he ends up going back to his, his, his children, though, is because he's ran out of money. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. So, and his pride's so, knocked as well because his yeah. ex-wife, or his current wife, who's not divorced, is going to get remarried. Yeah, so he, he's living in a rather grandiose hotel, um, and he can't afford to stay there anymore, and he fabricates this story that he's dying of stomach cancer to be able to, uh, to try, and, uh, try and get some sympathy, I guess, yeah. or trying yeah, yeah. to get, get somebody to sort of pay attention to him because previously his title and his money was the thing that had kind of made him feel like a like a man I guess made him feel important mm-hmm. um and he only comes back when he when he no longer has any of those things that make him feel important so he uses death as a way to to try and achieve that renewed sense of importance so everyone's going to care about me now because I'm dying they're trying to basically if someone if someone cares about you that, that you're dying it meant it means that you matter basically to someone other than yourself basically yeah it's that kind of like old idea of like imagining what people would say to you at your own funeral yeah you exactly you want that to be said to you now yeah and he absolutely. tries to go and grab that it's quite interesting really because the um yeah i mean he's, he's trying to achieve some sort of he's trying to get his family to care about him is he doing it to necessarily is he doing it to try and get his family to love him again Personally, I think not at first, but then as as the film goes on, um, the chaos and the, the the attempted suicide of of um, of Richie as well, I think, begins to bring the family back together. Particularly when he saves um, uh, Chaz's kids as well yeah, yeah, yeah. from from Owen Wilson's uh, drunken uh, car crash. Which I mean. Owen Wilson's character, I wanted to touch upon this as well, about um, Tenenbaum and Wilson and the role of art as well. I think like the scenes when Owen Wilson sat in his in his apartment and he's got the paintings behind him mm-hmm. and there's a scene when he's sat pacing, his, uh, pacing around his room and, he, and Chopin is playing in the background um, and Wilson's recently, well, Wilson's character... Uh, made a lot of money by distorting the story of Custer's last stand at Little Bighorn, which is funny because of the way Wilson is dressed. But if you juxtapose that with Tenenbaum's um, feeling that he wants to be remembered in history, because obviously, like his lineage is dying, like his 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 influence is dying. So juxtaposing that with Custer's last stand, particularly because Custer is such a um, such a sort of a popular he's part of like american popular culture from a historical perspective as well like i think that there's there's something there with that juxtaposition of uh combining historical figures in culture and then tenenbaum wanting to be kind of remembered um by saying that he's dying in this horrific way just like custer did like sort of was someone that was once great in the eyes of some is now no longer great because custer was defeated and the same with tenenbaum he was once great because he had lineage, lineage, he had power, he had sort of um, influence, I guess. 
and now that he no longer has any of that, he has to say that he's dying to try and reconcile, try and try, not reconcile, that's the wrong word, but to try and restore that, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's, it is, it is bit, it's restoration through childhood desire, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think there is so much redemption or seeking of redemption throughout the film. Obviously, Royal is looking for redemption in numerous ways, like you've outlined there. But Richie is looking for redemption with his father because he had a close relationship with him and he mm. always he's the one who goes back to the fa- his father and he wants to kind of redeem a relationship there. But also he's looking for redemption in his own life when he threw his tennis career away and that all links back to his love for Margot. But then Chaz as well is looking for some form of redemption off the back of his wife dying in a plane crash. That's why mm. he's so obsessed with accidents happening and freaks of nature and that's why he drills his children into fire drills and making sure that nothing bad could ever happen to him but then something nearly does when um is it ed owen wilson's character drives the car ellie in, ellie cash and sorry and then yeah. he drives it into the front of the building when they're having the wedding for his mother and then he nearly gets his children nearly get run over but is then saved at the last minute by Roy. and there's a really mm. beautiful circle there but there's the seeking of redemption all the way through and mm. they're all looking for redemption through each other and they find it once they realize that oh it's not one specific thing that they need is they all need each other in their own way and they all need to accept each other for who they are and that's where they all get the redemption from so it is a big film about redemption from the poison of seeking it but the ease of actually accepting it within the family and that brings me on to something else that i really wanted to say that struck me at the end of the film was all through it you think this film's chaotic through the comedy but through the plot through the actions and how strange the characters are it's a chaotic film but what i think that is displaying is that they're all going through personal traumas they've all had childhood traumas that they brought with them as I said, they're looking for their own redemptions. This is the filmmaking technique of visualizing internal trauma through manic physical actions. It's quite deep on that level of think in terms of psychology because it's suggesting that all our traumas and negativity or internal struggles are chaotic. The mind is chaotic. The self is chaotic. Everything you think about isn't a very easy line to go through a struggle from a to b it goes everywhere and these characters are manic and the thoughts are they go everywhere but i think they're doing what i think the film is showing is that internal struggles feel a lot more chaotic than they normally are visualized so these characters are a visual representation of internal struggles and how mad and free and chaotic they are and what at the beginning just seems like strange characters for the sake of being bizarre i don't think it's that at all it is you start to love these characters for how wacky and out there they are but realize that once they find each other and they find that redemption within each other that kind of calms down the chaos much like within thoughts and internal struggles and also on top of that i think it's also showing how much individual trauma has a knock-on effect on someone else and this comes back to what i just said about the beautiful circle that brings it back in terms of royal saving chaz's children is that kind of gives them all a bit of fulfillment and redemption is that every character's struggles knocks onto the other so you think about um richie's breakdown is because he's in love with margot and her um 
a view of herself as not good enough is because Royal always said that her work wasn't very good and because she was the adopted one and all of them, their their struggles are a result of someone else's trauma. But when they all accept at the end that they either need help or they can accept their love for each other and all those different elements, they tend to go away and they're all there for each other. And I think on a very simple note, it's saying, hey, look, when people go through trauma or have struggle, it's a manifestation of what someone else has done. We're all a product of someone else's struggles. But when you accept that that is the case, then those can go away when you accept each other for who they are. So it's quite, it is a very positive end to the film. You expect something that's quite deep like this. Often you get quite a negative and cynical message, but it is quite a heartwarming, positive feel to what is quite a deep film at points. And I love that about it. And it, you feel good afterwards, even though you've been through the ringer and you've been thrown in different directions with the wackiness of it. It's actually quite a feel-good film at the end. So yeah, this is what else it kind of shot with me at the end. And I feel that's why it is quite important, but poignant as well. Did any of those come across to you? That was the, I mean, the idea of trauma is really interesting. Um, because the, when you said they all need each other and trauma is interconnected, I, it it did feel like a tapestry. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That it, you know, it, that all, all the different trauma was stitched together um, to create the Tenenbaum um, um, like family, basically. I think it was, I mean, because death and, and, and sort of rebirth, well, not necessarily rebirth, but childhood desire anyway, plays such a big part of the film. I think it's a, a wider comment, and I... I don't particularly have any evidence for this necessarily. Not as you don't need it, you don't need it. But I do, I do think um, you know, as a society, we struggle to conceptualize what death means. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's that's a that's a huge statement. But um, the fact that there's so much emphasis on hovering over graveyards in the film, and the fact that trauma is interconnected, and the fact that the way Anderson approaches the theme of death and how to conceptualize it is through um, pastiche or through sort of, um, I, there was an adjective I wanted to use to describe it earlier, but it, it's gone. Sort of um, when loads of different things are knitted together, bizarre, I guess, maybe bizarre. We'll go with that. Um, and I, I do think and Wes Anderson is trying to sort of suggest that the way you deal with trauma and death and family feud i guess on a sort of a a broad scale is not necessarily through a conventional way and i think the film isn't conventional it's very unconventional in 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 its in its cinematography in its in its the way it approaches themes of 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 death and mental health and childhood desire and i think it's quite an interesting um it's an interesting take on some themes that affect everyone in in society i think like i said no not, not any concrete evidence for that, but I think the theme is definitely no, there. <laughs> I get you, and I think you're spot on. And I think Wes Anderson's telling of those themes and experiences is a very good perspective of it. And this is kind of what I was trying to get across is a lot of the times when those issues are explored, there's quite a certain path they take. You know, there is a narrative that we have collectively about all of those things whereas this is just throwing it in lots of different directions in a more chaotic way and i would say the chaos is a lot more realistic this film gets categorized as absurd yes but the absurdity is a bit more real to life i'd say rather than a very straight narrative as told more often anyway let's wrap this up callum 
Ooh, mm. I know we could go on for ages about that. And I tell you what, we, we will, we could, so we we will could. go on for about ages about that. When we can meet up and we keep threatening this, don't we? A big, long discussion over numerous beers and we'll get there. But before that, let's wrap this up. I'm just going to give my final thoughts for saying beautifully shot. I think the characters are very, very well written. There's so many subplots and they all intertwine together. And all the little references to bits of it work really well in telling those end messages. I just love the being in that world, and I can't wait to be in another Wes Anderson world. Funny, emotional, got all the elements, great film. The only thing that's stopping it getting from the top points for me is a feeling that first, maybe third of the film, there was a lot of use of narrative techniques and literary techniques, which are all great, but at points you're like, want a bit of substance here i want a bit of story i want to go into the characters a bit more and at some points early on i felt okay yeah this is great seeing all these shots and stuff but sometimes i wanted a bit more substance in terms of the characters so that's why it gets a nine out of ten for me but fantastic definitely will watch again and we'll watch more wes anderson callum you know i'm gonna give it nine out of ten as well um oh i'm I'm not gonna give it ten just because it wasn't it just wasn't funny enough for me okay like I'd watched the Grand Budapest Hotel and I thought that was hilarious. Like there was points in that film where I was, I, was, I had to stop the film because I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was just in pieces, crying with laughter just because it was so absurd and the script and the sort of the, yeah, it was just the music as well in in, in the Grand Budapest was was fantastic. But we're not talking about the Grand Budapest. But anyway, the 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 thing for me it just wasn't as it wasn't funny. It wasn't it wasn't funny enough for me. Um, I mean from a cinematic from a cinematography perspective it's brilliant i love the fact that it merged all these different um styles and art and culture together um i love the fact that it takes some quite big ideas such as death and childhood um and family and kind of addresses those ideas in in a quite an absurd way that's the word i was looking for earlier absurd um theme of nostalgia i think is 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 handled really really well and it's because of that childhood desire i love the the soundtrack's great as well i think you know the wes anderson movies they're in a, i think they're in acquired taste i think definitely. you know yeah, they, are, they are they are they are in a they are in acquired taste and i think um it, it is difficult to sort of give it a nine out of ten because all those themes and the sort of the quirkiness of it i i, I recognize aren't for everyone mm-hmm. um but I'm still going to give it nine out of ten, just because I really enjoyed the quirkiness of it, and I like I like films that that aren't necessarily well. I mean, I, I like films that aren't necessarily conventional in the mm-hmm. sort of the in the, the 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 big book of filmmakers guide, whatever that is. Love it, love it, Callum. As always, thank you very much. It was an mm. absolute delight to dive into that film. I think as you can tell from listening to us, we were very giddy and excited about it. I hope you in- all enjoy that film too, and we'll be sure to dive into more Wes Anderson as well. Don't you worry about that. But that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. We, of course, will be back with more film reviews and more conversations with creative and interesting people. But that doesn't mean we're going to be getting rid of Callum. Not at all. Me and Callum will be here (laughs) for all the reviews. And also we'll be getting some more guests. As I said, thank you very much for listening. Keep checking us out. We'll be back with you very soon. See you later.